0: This is in the zone your home for salina sports talk high school sports kansas wesleyan and bethany KU K state and wichita state wait is there anything these guys don't cover you're in the zone
1: Into In the Zone here on Sports Radio, 1150 KSAL, 106.7 as well on the FM dial, and of course on our Spotify page, that's where we've been at for this week. It's been a busy one on the AM-FM dial because the Royals are wrapping up their season today uh, with games in Cleveland, so we've had no show on KSAL, but all of our shows still airing on our Spotify page, that's where you can find this today and, and all of the past Shows that we've had, of course, is today, busy day, and we're starting off hot. One of our regular guests here on Wednesdays is the head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas, Coach Mike Kilgore, who joins us each week on our Solomon Weekly Update, brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon, member FDIC. Coach Kilgore, how you doing today? Good to hear from you.
2: Oh, I'm doing great. Glad you had me on.
1: Love having you on as always. Your great interview, great insight as always. And, and of course, your team's been pretty fun to follow as well. And a tough schedule here lately because you've been playing some really good football teams and your team is, has been very competitive in that stretch. But I want to talk to you about this, this uh, difficult schedule that you guys have faced over the last couple of weeks because although you're 0 3 in your last three, I feel like you've probably seen your team grow a lot. Would you agree?
2: I would agree with that a lot, you know, and we, you know, we we talked in the past, you know, playing, playing really good teams is, you know, you don't come out on top, but you're still getting, getting some wins within the games and, you know, moving forward on what we can and do and what we can't do, Um, you know, and I'm I'm really happy with our guys. They've, they've really, you know, each day they've, they've come to practice and, you know, done a, done a tremendous job of, you know, trying to be prepared, trying to do what is right. Um, and you know, and and they and they're working hard at it, and I and I can't, I can't, you know, I can't say anything bad about them.
1: Well, now you go into this week's contest uh, back at home against Moundridge at two and three on the season, but still a lot of important ball games ahead of you in in district plays. You got Moundridge, Harrington, and Pretty Prairie. In, in front of you, so still plenty of opportunity to to make things happen and move up the district standings. So, what has the focus been in pro- practice so far this week in in terms of getting ready for Friday night against Moundridge?
2: You know, we we just been focusing on ourselves. You know, trying to get trying to make ourselves better, learning from our some of our mistakes that we made. You know, over the last couple of weeks, and you know we made some mistakes on Friday that we uh, you know usually don't make, but we we made some. So we, you know we're trying to correct those on the last couple days and you know and you know just looking forward and and you know taking it day by day and um seeing where we're at and you know right now last night we had a pretty good practice and you know and the kids you know it's homecoming week for us so um you know kids are there's a different you know different different vibe in the air if you will and you know kids they're 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 learning and they're getting better
1: well, that's certainly what you want. You want to be playing your best football at this time of year now, especially as we're into district play by two weeks. So just mm-hmm. three guaranteed uh, games left, essentially, uh, for the district play, and you want to keep fighting for that postseason. So games obviously hold a little bit more importance once you're into into the district side of things. But what what have you seen from your team in, in terms of their efforts and their approach when the the intensity gets turned up a notch here over the last couple of weeks,
2: you know they they they're they're taking they're taking a different uh, approach to practice. You know we we uh, we we change some things up on you know what we're doing at practice as far as the the flow of practice and how and how it's you know within you know we always do this at district time and you know just you know it's not not as not as many reps but more intensity, you know, and then we, you know, we've changed some things up as, as far as the, you know, like a sprint day practice, you know, and kids are, you know, getting high reps, you know, and not getting a lot of coaching on the, you know, on the fly. We do a lot of our coaching on the film side of things, you know, and they've, and they've really, and they really, they really enjoy that. And, you know, they're, you know, they they like those days where everything's flowing good and, you know, everybody has their job to do and, um and we're doing it, you know, and they all, they all know that it all matters on Friday night, you know, to get those wins, for our district play and, um, you know, right now we're at the bottom and, you know, they they understand that they have to, you know, we talked about it yesterday, we have a monkey on our back, we just got to get that monkey off right now and I think think Friday will be that day that we can do that um, as long as we play in sound.
1: So with this Mound Ridge challenge that's ahead of you, they're a team that technically has has just won one game. The standings will show two, uh, but uh, if you mm-hmm. dig a little bit deeper into it, Pretty Prairie is, is forfeiting some games here to the end of the season. So Mound Ridge is a team with just one win, but I don't feel like you can overlook a team with with a record like that because they just like you have played some really talented opponents so what do you see in Mound Ridge? what kind of challenges will they present coming up on friday
2: you know Mound Ridge, they they've actually got some really tall tall kids on there they got a, a six66 six kid plays their wide receiver in their dn they got their quarterback is like six four i think six three six four um you know they got a lot of length on their team and then you know i they're they're they can be very explosive on their offensive side they they do like a double wing and they do a lot of motioning um we call it I call it window dressing but you know kind of throws people off when they when they're motioning out of their wings and you know they can um you know they can come they're going to run right at you and that and that's what their goal is and um you know defensively you know they're they're pretty sound in what they do and you know um their second level third levels those guys will come up and set the edge and and they, they like to tackle so it'll be. Um, we'll have to play our best ball.
1: When you talk about playing your best ball, what exactly are you looking for? What kind of things do you need to see from your team this week to be considering playing your your best football?
2: Um, you know, our our defense needs to be making sure that they're 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 keying their assignment. You know, reading their guard linebackers need to be reading their guards. You know, secondary need to have their eyes where they're supposed to be um you know and just you know lining up correctly you know sometimes with the with our motion and stuff we've seen it in the past where it gets confusing and your eyes get off their key and then we're out of position not to be able to make that but you know i think with with coach rizzo on the defense side, he's kind of really honed in on it this week um and those kids are you know understanding what their what their responsibilities are um and offensively we we, we just i mean we've done a really good job in, over the over the past couple games of of taking care of the football you know, and getting yards when we need to get yards. And um, with Spencer Cope and Spencer Krause and, you know, Scott Robinson and Matt Collins, all, all the guys that carry the ball, Porter Hines, you know, just taking care of the football and, and going to get those, you know, those extra two or three yards after contact, um, that's that's kind of what we're talking about with playing ball, our best ball.
1: Now, with just three games on the schedule remaining in the Pretty Prairie situation, that means you only get technically two games left left. Uh, two physical games left in district play, uh, but this would then be your your last guaranteed home game. Correct?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I believe that Pretty Prairie is still playing their games. They just they're just they're just forfeiting them just because they forfeited the first one. I'm not 100 percent sure on how that all works within okay. the the district play, but um, I know that they played last week uh, against Harrington. They beat Harrington on the scoreboard, but Harrington got the win. Um, just because of the forfeit situation. So as of right now, we're we're still playing that game week eight um, okay. against them. But it'll be, you know, it'll be, uh, you know, regardless of the outcome, it should be a still win for us. But, you know, we're not going to have that mindset going into it.
1: Okay, well I'm glad you, you cleared that up because I was still a little bit un, unclear on how that all might work and I didn't want you guys to get shorted a home game as well, especially when you've got a good group like you do, you want to play in front of your home fans as much as you can yep. and I didn't want this this Friday to become an impromptu senior night so uh, good to hear <laughs> that for sure, but uh, Coach, before I let you go, I need to know what are the, the biggest keys to getting a win against Moundridge coming up on Friday?
2: Um, is playing all three phases of the game special teams defense and offense and 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 just putting putting playing it all out there for for your teammates and you know and just being being willing to adapt to uh the game of football where you get the ups and the downs and and not get not get shaken by um, some of the downs and that should make us victorious on friday
1: All right. Mike Kilgore, head football coach of the Solomon Gorillas. He joins us each week here on In the Zone as part of our Gorilla Weekly Update, brought to you by the good people at Bush's Market and the Solomon State Bank of Solomon, member FDIC. Coach, as always, truly appreciate your time. Love catching up with you and look forward to talking about your team and hopefully a win next
2: week. Yeah, thank you so much, Jackson.
1: Awesome stuff. That's, again, Mike Kilgore here on In the Zone. You can hear him each week on wednesdays for our gorilla weekly update we'll take a quick break and be back with more here on in the zone right after this Welcome back to In The Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL, 106.7 on your FM dial as well. And of course, you can't forget about the podcast platform. We are all over Spotify, so search In The Zone on KSAL. If you're missing us live on KSAL, you can hit us anytime on Spotify. As we continue the show today, it's of course Wednesday, which means we get to sit down with the voice of the Kansas State Wildcats. Wyatt Thompson joins us now, and things just keep going for Kansas State football. Another nice win over Texas Tech on Saturday. It started out with a bang, two plays into the game and a touchdown, Wyatt. And then it seemed like both teams really kind of settled in, and we got the the fight that we were thinking we would get before the game started.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I I think you had a matchup of a team in Kansas state that had been very successful against Oklahoma running the football against a Texas tech team that loves to throw it. And K state, as you said, got off to a pretty good start. There's no doubt. I mean, when you score, you know, (laughs) 10 seconds into the game or whatever it was, uh, maybe a little bit more than that, but maybe 40 seconds into the game, you're doing something right. And, um, well, you look up at the end of the day, and K-State rushes for 343 yards. I just loved it. You had another monster day for Adrian Martinez. Uh, he backed up the Oklahoma game with a terrific performance against Tech. And then, you know, you got to tip your cap to the defense, too. They, they gave up some yards, certainly. There's no doubt about that. As a matter of fact, 359 passing yards for Tech. But K-State forced four turnovers. They had six sacks. Uh, really competed it was a good football game I enjoyed
1: it it was and and I was very impressed by Texas Tech I know we talked about the challenges that they had presented or would present last week and, and how it wasn't going to be a walkover win but I was very impressed like in the first year uh, of Joey McGuire's tenure there in Lubbock I have been very impressed with the way that that football team has played but even more so how K-State kind of handled the the pushback from a really good team like that because when you start out as dominantly as K State did and then all of a sudden you know it, it's a ball game again because Texas Tech's making plays and they're battling back you don't know what you're going to get from a team when you get pushback like that but it seemed like K State yeah. was certainly calm and and composed throughout the rest of the game and made the plays when it mattered
0: you know at the end of the day I think you could talk about individual performances overall performances and what have you. And you can probably throw out numbers to to kind of skew things that you want your way more times than not. But for me, I'm just sitting here looking at the box score from the game, and and here's a couple for you, okay? K-State goes six for six in the red zone with with three touchdowns and three field goals. Meantime, Texas Tech goes three of seven. They were 0 for 4 on field goals and three of four, uh, three touchdowns. So, red zone efficiency was monster in this game. And and you know what, that that wins the ball game for you more times than not.
1: Absolutely, and I would say that like that's something that doesn't, I feel like, get talked about enough because finishing drives is is so important because you got to put points on the board, especially in a conference like this, right, where everyone's offense is seemingly just so, so good. So you have to find ways when you get into the red zone to put points on the board. But K-State, part of that is they haven't been turning the ball over much. I think I just read that they're one of the top teams in the nation in not turning the ball over, like just a hair over one turnover per game that's certainly got to help as well, right?
0: Oh, you said that perfectly. They're first in the league and fourth nationally. They've only turned it over three times in five games with no interceptions, and they've turned the opponent over 11 different times. In addition to that, if you want to throw out another number, uh, I love this one too. Average yards per rush, 8.8
1: for the Cats, 3.4 for the Red Raiders. Wow. You're going to win games when you do that. (laughs) You certainly are, and and there were a lot of guys. When I I only got to watch, actually like physically watch about the first quarter, but there were still still several guys making plays on defending the run, and especially on a couple of big fourth downs. There were I, I saw Austin Moore was making big plays, and it seems like we talk about him more and more each week. But of course, you got <laughs> yep. uh, you know. Eli Huggins and Felix Anudike Uzama and and Khalid Duke and like the list goes on and on about this K State defense because we've talked about them so much, but they keep delivering.
0: Well, they do, and I, I think Duke was really a, a superstar in the game on Saturday. He, it was obvious that you know they moved him around a little bit. You know he's been that strong side linebacker, but in this game it was more. Uh, where, where they put him on the outside up front near the, nearest the line of scrimmage as a defensive end position. And boy, did he respond. I mean, w- we all know about the three sacks, but he also had eight total tackles, was just very disruptive, uh, kind of helped stuff that run game. Those two really good running backs are Audrey Thompson and Taj Brooks. And it's great to see, and, and Coach mentioned it as presser you know, yesterday about the fact that this is a guy that missed really all of camp um and and had two practices the 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 game week uh for game one and now look at where he's at I mean he's had 19 tackles in five games and he's just starting to you know be very confident on that knee that he tore up a year ago so he he's been a big factor uh for K-State this year and uh, uh, you love it because when you put him with with Felix and some of those other guys it makes K-State's defense uh, pretty solid.
1: And it sets up what could be a very defensive matchup this week, Wyatt, because K-State's heading up to Ames to take on Iowa State, a team that's coming off of an albeit probably very frustrating loss at Kansas a week ago. But these are two very talented defenses that we're going to see on the field. And Iowa State, looking at their notes right now, they're ninth in the nation in rushing defense and eighth in the nation in total defense and 12th in the nation in scoring defense. So... Whose defense is going to be the one that kind of turns the tide in their favor?
0: Well, that's really probably the the question. And, you know, don't want to scare any K-Staters out there, but they are number one in the Big 12 in six different defensive categories, and they've got good players at every level. But probably the most disruptive guy is their defensive end, Will McDonald. He's got 30-and-a-half career sacks nine force fumbles, which, to put that into perspective, is one more than Felix Anudike Uzama, who, is, I mean, those two guys are a, a lot alike in how they play. Uh, but they've also got guys in the back there that, you know, you've got 45 career games from Gary Vaughn, a linebacker, 30, uh, 50 from uh, middle linebacker Orion Vance, and then Anthony Johnson, who this year has moved from from corner to safety with 55 career games. That's crazy. <laughs> so they, they do have, uh, it, it's a veteran defense, even though they lost some really good ones from a year ago. But here's the real key John Haycock, their defensive coordinator, you know, he, he kind of started this 3 3 5 flavor in the Big 12, and everybody's kind of followed suit. Uh, but he's kind of the master of it, it seems. And, and they're playing terrific football defensively right now. They're struggling running the ball and scoring the ball, but defensively, they've been terrific.
1: Now, they've got a, a lot of new faces on their offense as well, and they've got a quarterback that I think has a ton of potential, but he started to struggle a little bit in Big 12 play uh, in, in Hunter Deckers. Is that maybe an opportunity for a very talented K-State defense to take advantage of, of a quarterback who's yet to really come into his own?
0: Well, you hope that is the case. I mean, this is basically his third, his third year. He's a redshirt sophomore. He studied under the guy over the last several years that's been one of the best that, that they've had in Brock Purdy. So you, you probably like that for him. But but for me, it, it's more telling about what Coach Kleiman ha- has said about him. He, he's 6'3 and 235. Uh, he does throw the ball around really pretty well. Uh, K-State tried to recruit him, and uh, he made the decision to go to Ames. Uh, and so the story is is that Coach Kleiman, I think, liked him a lot. And I think he feels like uh, he, he can be very, very good. He hasn't been bad. Uh, I mean, 11 touchdowns, six picks this year, and 69% completion. That's pretty good. But you're right. He struggled a little bit in league games. And I would like to hope that that happens for maybe one more Saturday, and, and that one would be this Saturday. How's that? <laughs>
1: You like that? <laughs> I, I do. I do like that. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Yeah. when when we look at the series here, Wyatt, K-State over you know the last two seasons has struggled with Iowa State losing the last two in the series. But when you kind of zoom out a little bit, K-State's won, what, 11 of the last 14? And uh, let me do some quick mental math here. Like 26 of the last 31 or 25 uh-huh. of the last 31. <laughs> yeah. So recent struggles— yeah. But over the last several years of this rivalry, K State has had Iowa State's number. How do they turn the tide and break this losing skid against the Cyclones?
0: Well, I think just kind of continuing to do what they've been doing the last couple of weeks, and that's just playing at a high level, uh, you know, running the football and yet being able to throw it with some success. Uh, they had really good balance in the game at Oklahoma. Uh, probably a little less in, in the game last week against Tech, but they were so dominant in the run game that that turned out okay. Um, I, I don't know how this game will turn out, and, and that's an obvious statement, but I I think K-State has a real chance to win this game because as good as Iowa State is defensively, I don't know that you know uh, they'll be able to, to just totally take away Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn. To me, that that seems uh, like a pretty daunting task. We'll, we'll see how it plays out, but you're right. I mean, I'm looking here, you know, K-State won, what, 10 in a row from 2008 to 2017, but, I mean, listen to some of these scores. 24-23, 27-20, 30-23, 27-21, 32-28, 38-35. I mean, you kind of get that <laughs> 20-19. You kind of get the idea that these, yeah. these two teams play close games.
1: More times than not, just a a tad, we'll say. I mean, I I think that's one thing we can expect in this rivalry. Which I think over the that stretch that you've mentioned, the the intensity of this rivalry has grown because in the past, you know, K State had. Nebraska and had Missouri and and of course KU but with their struggles recently k- State and Iowa State kind of jostling in the more competitive ball games I think this has become one of their biggest rivalry games at least in my opinion would would you agree with that
0: uh, I would and basically the reason is is I think kind of what we just said the games here in, in, and again, you know, two years ago, I mean, we, we lost up there 45 nothing. That was not a competitive game, but part of that was one, how good they were, and two, K State had all types of uh, COVID issues that day. So it really wasn't a competitive game. But uh, again, you go back to, I mean, even as far as, you know, back to 2000, uh, uh, well, let, let me say 2004. I mean, it, it's pretty crazy how many close games there have been. And, and how important the game has been to both uh, as they, you know, try to compete in the league. So I don't think it's, you know, much more than that. And you look at the history of the league. I mean, Iowa State's won 52 times. K-State's won 49 with four ties. It's been it's been pretty, pretty tight <laughs> and tense for a long time. And this series goes back to, you know, the early 1900s, I think 1917-ish or something like that. So, yeah, it, it's back a ways.
1: I, I can tell you've done your homework. I've, I had to pull up the game notes, and it says 1917. So, <laughs> yeah. but you you nailed it there. Now, uh, the stretch that that is looming, Wyatt, for K State is obviously very important because it's conference games, but even more so because you've got a tough game at Iowa State coming up on Saturday. And then after that, you've got like four straight games against teams that are either ranked currently or receiving votes. And three of those games, or excuse me, two of those games... Are on the road, so yeah. five straight games of huge importance for K State and the goals that they have set for this season. You know, being one of the top teams in the Big Twelve, trying to make it to to Arlington and, and doing all these things, it has to start with a win in Ames, doesn't it?
0: Well, you would think that that would be the case, certainly, because again, after Iowa State, you've got the off week, and then at TCU, Oklahoma State at home, Texas, and at Baylor. That's a pretty good little pretty good little stretch and, and welcome to what is Big Twelve football, right? <laughs> uh but but I think you have to just look at it like let's go beat Iowa State. Um, you know, get a little time off and, and kind of recoup through the off week and, and then we can worry about TCU because you start thinking about, you know, how, how well they played and how much better they are, uh, then you're you're kind of forgetting the team from that we that we have Saturday night. So I just, I I respect Iowa State too much to do that. I I, I think they're well coached. I think they've struggled a little bit offensively, but they certainly have pieces with, uh, for the most part, a veteran line. Um, So this will be a challenging game. It's a night game up there. Their fans will be stoked. It's the blackout and all of those kind of things. So the atmosphere will be
1: outstanding. Well, if if they're doing a blackout, maybe K State will go with the all whites. Maybe the the helmets that we saw a few <laughs> weeks ago with the white tops and the white bottoms. That's just you, you should pass that along to the equipment staff. Just my my suggestion. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell him you said so. How's that. Thank you. Now, yeah. why before before I let you go, you and I were kind of talking just kind of offhand about Jerome Tang and K State basketball because basketball season is going to be here. Very quickly. I think we're what almost exactly a month out from tip off for the brand new era that is K-State basketball and and all the excitement that's surrounding it. But as we get closer, how much more excited do you get to to be around this this new K-State team and the new staff and and all the fun that seems to be coming here in just a few weeks?
0: Well, I, I am very excited. Uh, I, I won't try to mask that in any way. You know, I, I've seen some of the practices here. They officially started last Monday and, and uh, now into the second week as they get ready. And I, I, I've i said this before, and I'll be a little bit repetitive here, but but I think these guys are really working hard. Uh, they've put together a, a group that, that has a, a lot of length and athleticism, and I think they are getting better at learning, you know, a system here. But um i can't wait because their their excitement level is infectious i think it's infected our athletic department i think it's infected our student body at k state it's affected the entire fan base and everybody is pumped up for hoop season that that's a that's a no brainer in my mind
1: <laughs> <laughs> now have you gotten to see them in action just yet i know you said they just started practice yeah, really yeah. last yeah, week yeah. but I'm, what are I'm your early impressions
0: Well, again, long and athletic. uh, You know, I I think um, they have some very unique athletes. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, You know, they're they're just the two returning guys that everybody knows about in Marquise Noel and and Ish Masood. But they've got a young guy who's a a young man. His name is Naquan Tomlin. They call him Quan. He's 6'8", 195, left-handed, really athletic. He's one guy that I think exemplifies of what I'm talking about. Big motor guy. Actually, different from a lot of other guys, he hasn't played a lot of basketball. Uh, to be honest, he played at Chipola Community College uh, on a 30 and 6 team last year. But but he'll shoot it. Um, he, he's just a very very gifted guy, um, and he I could even see him at six eight playing some two guard. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're going to look a little different than they've looked in the last couple of two or three years. That's for sure. And, I, I, but I like their their size and their athleticism. And uh, one guy that has stood out to me lately here is a is a redshirt senior transfer from Stony Brook. His name is Tyke Green. He he shoots the ball relatively well. And, you know, there are pieces. And Keontae Johnson, uh, the, the guy that got late from Florida, should be a really good piece, too. So there there's some there's some good looking athletes there.
1: Well, that's certainly exciting. I I know, like you said, you're excited, but I I am excited. I know our our listeners are excited. So we're going to start asking some more basketball questions as that starts to approach as well. But Wyatt, thank you for joining us as always. Love to catch up with you each week. Always very insightful and and tons of fun for me.
0: Well, I appreciate that, buddy. I I thank you for the opportunity through Robson Oil to talk about K-State each and every week. It's a It's what I do, and I love it, and hopefully the fans enjoy it too. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. That's Wyatt Thompson. You heard him say it. He's brought to you each week by Robson Oil Company in Abilene. They're serving central kansas all the way since 1924 they provide the area with high quality oil and fuel for both farm and commercial customers that's robson oil in abilene again that's wyatt thompson the voice of the kansas state wildcats i am jackson schneider and that's going to wrap up our show for today we'll be back at it tomorrow on in the zone on 1150 ksal 106.7 fm and of course on spotify